Amen. So grateful that today we can take communion together on Palm Sunday. This is one of the greatest days in the history of the world, next to the cross, that we could have communion together and that we could experience Palm Sunday. Uh, in a moment, we're going to uh, turn to Matthew 21. But let me just say this, that even though we may be apart, we are truly in spirit together. Now, Palm Sunday was an amazing day because as the king enters into Jerusalem, there are people lining the streets because of Jesus' three and a half years of ministry. People are gathered together to pay tribute for all that he has done and began to worship Jesus for the first time at, uh, for the king that he is. See, I think over the last few weeks, we have all been on a journey of prayer and of praise like never before. And one thing I've learned over the last number of weeks is this. I, I love the big weekend where we can all gather together and worship God. I love that experience uh, more than probably just about anything more than I do. But what has happened to me over the last number of weeks is that I've been getting to know the Lord Jesus Christ in a more intimate uh, way than ever before. I feel like I've gone to a whole nother level in worship and in prayer and in praise. And I've gotten a glimpse of him in a way that I never have before. So today, I hope that you can, uh, all of us will start worshiping and praising him out of a new revelation of who he is and like you've never seen him before. Uh, I, I, like I say, I've been getting that fresh look. I hope you are too. Now, the word revelation is a biblical word. It's the name of a book in the New Testament. Of course, we all know that. But it goes way beyond that. So let me give you a definition that you can write down. The word revelation means to see something that was previously hidden. Kind of like when your wife tells you the salt and pepper are in the cupboard and you can't see it. And then she comes and pulls back the curtain or pulls off whatever it is. And all of a sudden, oh, there it is. Well, it means to pull back the curtain. It means to lift the lid off, so to speak. And that's what happens for some of us. And uh, I hope that since the virus has hit, that you might not have known God's scope of love for you like you do now. But hopefully the, the lid's been taken off, the curtain's been pulled back, and now you see him in a way like you've never seen before. Maybe you're more free than you've ever experienced before. For some of you who didn't know what it was like to, to live beyond that anxiety and, and that fear and that stress uh, of your past, but now... You've ran into the king of glory over the last few weeks and his peace began to flood your life and uh, you begin to respond to him in praise like never before. So today I want to talk to you about worshiping Jesus out of a, a revelation of who he is and him becoming uh, just a, a new person in your life uh, in the midst of all of this. So if you lift up your Bibles with me, your iPads, smartphones, whatever you have your Bible on, and make this declaration with me. Say this with me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be. I can have all it says I can have. 
Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can stay here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to read from Matthew 21, beginning in verse 1 from the New Living Translation uh, about Palm Sunday. It goes like this. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. Don't try this on a car lot anywhere, but it worked that day for them. All right. This book, or, or this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the, from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. Other translations use the word Hosanna. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant and they asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? I love it when he says that to those who are so religious and trained in religion and seminary. For they, and then he goes on to say this, for they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. So this is the story of Palm Sunday. This is the story of Jesus being revealed in a mixed multitude where the revelation of who he is even comes to the children. Now, like all crowds, I think there were people there that, that were onlookers. I call them looky-loos. They saw the crowd, so they joined it, wanted to go over and see what everybody was looking at. Kind of like on the freeway, when you see the opposite side of the freeway, you're driving on, come to a, a complete stop. So everybody slows down on your side of the freeway just to see what stopped the other side. They slow everything down because they want to know why the other side is at a dead stop. They're called looky-loos. Well, uh, 
That's what happened that day as well with the crowd. But then there were people who came because they needed a miracle and they, they, they had heard this guy Jesus does miracles. So they came to Jesus that day out of need. Then there were cynics and critics and there were seekers. There were doubters. There were actually people in the crowd that wanted to kill Jesus. Today, there are hundreds of you that are watching online. And it's a mixed multitude that's watching this message. Some of you are watching that might be far from God and you've sensed that you need to get closer to the Lord. And so your hope is that maybe God can meet you, that he's, you sense that he's drawing you and, and so you're drawing close to him and hopefully a miracle can happen in your life. Some of you are seekers and some of you are skeptics and some of you are strong in your faith and some of you have, are doubting your faith through all of the things that are going on. Some of you are angry and some of you are joyful and hopefully none of you want to kill the messenger today, all right? But you need to know that in the crowd that day were probably hundreds uh, that had been touched by the ministry of Jesus over the last three and a half years who had heard his teachings and maybe even experienced a miracle themselves and they began to shout, Hosanna, 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 Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it was as if the curtain had been pulled back. It was as if, as if the lid had been taken off and they were seeing Jesus for who he was, maybe for the first time. Right before their eyes, they were seeing what had, had been hidden from them over the last three and a half years. But now they were having a revelation that this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is not just a man, but he's the son of God. And out of this revelation, it changed the way many of them worshiped that day. They realized he's the one that shines a light on their path and that, that had been hidden from them in the past, but now they knew their future and where to walk. They, they realized he's the one that silences their enemies. They realize he's the one who shows them uh, what's going on for their future lives. So here's a question. Has the way that you see Jesus changed over the last three weeks? Is he bigger than he was two weeks ago? Is, uh, has he become more awesome in description in your life? Has his love and forgiveness become greater than anything uh, you can comprehend? Is there any problem that he can't fix? Is there anything too big for him in your life? See, I think when we begin to get a revelation of who Jesus is, our paradigm begins to shift, our perspective gets clearer, and it changes the way we pray, the way we praise him, and the way we worship him. See, I wonder, as Jesus was riding into Jerusalem that day, I, I think about the children who were crying out, Hosanna, and those who were waving palm branches. I think about those who were laying down their robes and taking off their coats and laying on a cobblestone street to make a way for the Lord to enter into their city. I wonder what they glimpsed in their spirits that day. This story is in all four Gospels, and it tells us that all the people lining the street were crying out at once, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the children were saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna was a phrase that started out meaning 
Save us, O God. And later it became known as an anthem and a proclamation of exaltation to the one they were uh, talking to, the one they were proclaiming to. So they began to proclaim, Lord, save us, be exalted, be honored, be glorified, son of David. And the phrase son of David was proclaiming that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. So they knew out of David's genealogy would come the Messiah and he would sit upon the throne and he would change everything and make it better in their lives. And here the little children are crying out this revelation, hey, it's God. And they came over the and as they came over the hill from Bethpage where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived and down the road to to the Mount of Olives where often Jesus would pray, this massive crowd gathered around him and they saw him in a new way that caused them to worship in a way they never had before. And they began to realize, uh, we are beholding the king, not just a king, but the king of kings who's on his way to the city of the great king and they were having a moment of revelation and it required a response. This humble king comes riding into the city of Jerusalem, riding on a donkey's colt, which meant he was not coming as some king on a stallion with his armor on and his army, but he came as a king that was a servant to live among them and to come to show them in humility what God, how much God really loved them. And as they received this revelation, they began to respond with bowing down, laying down their garments as a symbol of worship to this humble king. When Jesus shows up, you can't help but respond. And it causes us to love him with all our souls, with all our hearts, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. In other words, when Jesus shows up in our hearts and he shows up in our lives, it involves our passion. It involves your body. It involves our intellect. It involves our emotions and our complete spirits. In Luke's account of Palm Sunday, Uh, He shares this one moment as the children are crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. The religious leaders become indignant and they, they, they try to tell the kids to shut up and be quiet. And Jesus makes this statement, if they don't praise me, even the rocks on this very road and even the rocks on the very side of this road will cry out and praise me. In other words, if people won't praise me, nature will. So when Jesus shows up and you get a revelation of who he is and you get a revelation uh, of who he is in your life, you can't help but give him a response out of praise uh, of, and worship. You can't help but respond to him and tell him how much you love him. Now, an important principle we need to remember about being a New Testament believer is this. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle of Moses, uh, the tent of David, and the temple of Solomon Uh, each housed the Ark of the Covenant at different times. And the Ark of the Covenant symbolized the presence of God being held there. But in the New Testament, we know we are the temple of God. In other words, we are the place where the presence of God is held. In Ephesians 2, 20 through 22, it tells us, 
God is building us together to become a dwelling place by his spirit. And more specifically, you and I are the temple of God. And your praise and my praise ushers in a greater greater revelation and a greater presence, uh, a greater anointing and a greater authority of his presence fills our lives as we worship him. Worship is the way we invite the king's presence into our lives. Acts 7.48 says this, however, the most high does not dwell in temples made with hands as the prophet says. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through, uh, 19 through 20, it says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and, who, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, when you and I give our lives to Christ, we are, brought, we are bought with the price of his blood. And the Holy Spirit moves in to our lives and begins to displace the things that do not honor him. And he leads us into his truths and replaces uh, those things with his presence. Uh, and we begin to look like him more than we ever did before. So I want to give you four dynamics of praise and worship that comes out of a revelation as Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem And that the Holy Spirit is trying to work into our lives as we are predominantly confined to our homes. Here's four things. Here's the first thing to write down that we see from this story. Number one, your praise ushers in the presence of the king. We see this also told to us in the Old Testament in Psalms 22, 3. It says, yet you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. The word enthroned there, it, it means the authority of God being ushered in on the praise of his people. So as we praise him, his authority gets ushered in. Here's the other word. The word praise here means to sing, to boast, to be vocal and passionate. It means to to turn about with excitement. So something happens, not just when we are gathered corporately, but also in the privacy of our own homes, our praise is an invitation to Jesus to bring his presence and authority into where we are right now and wherever we go, his presence and authority goes with us. So that day on the street as Jesus rode in, uh, this was not a normal religious activity for them. To praise a person like this in public, they were inviting his authority and his presence into their lives, and into their city. Who really was in the crowd that day, I think, is a good question. Just before his entrance, you need to know this, just before this chapter, it tells us about Jesus healing a blind guy named Bartimaeus. He's crying out in in the city of Jericho, outside the city of Jericho, he's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus opened his eyes, both physically and I believe spiritually, and I believe he had a revelation of who Jesus was that day. See, I believe on Palm Sunday, Bartimaeus was in that parade. I believe he was in that crowd. And how about Zacchaeus, a wealthy tax collector who had a salvation encounter with Jesus, and as a result, he became an honest and generous uh, man. 
Definitely, I believe he was in the crowd that day. And how about Mary Magdalene, who was forgiven of more sins than most and had seven demons cast out of her life? I'm sure she was in the crowd that day as well. And how about the hundreds of people that were healed of diseases like leprosy and the lame that came to walk and the blind that that regained their sight? I'm sure over the last three and a half years, they all gathered in the city of Jerusalem to honor the king. And what about the moms and dads who had their sons and daughters raised from the dead? I'm sure they were there too. And how about the kids whose parents have been banished because of their leprosy? And now they're all standing along the street as families worshiping the king of kings. And they were all having an encounter with God. This was not a religious experience. This was a personal encounter with God himself. And you may be wondering... If you had been here on a Sunday morning, you've been wondering, maybe when we're we're together, why we have uh, some that are so expressive in their worship. Why do they shout so loud? Why do they clap so loud? Why do they raise their hands? Why do they dance about like they do, like, like they're in a Seahawk game? Well, here's why. It's because we were the crowd. It's because we were blind broken and away from God with spiritual leprosy and we were dead in our trespasses and sins and Jesus forgave us and he healed us and resurrected us from the the dead dead place we were in and he set us on a path of a great future so we are that crowd and when Jesus is in the room when Jesus is in the house we're going to be vocal about it here and at home we're going to wave some palm branches and we're going to tell him how great he is and we're going to make some noise and we're going to clap our hands and we're going to shout to our God because he is among us. And when you praise and worship God for what he's done in your life, for who he is in your life, something happens. You begin to get a bigger glimpse and you begin to start to see what he's doing in your future. I just want to encourage all of us today that when you're, uh, when we are in his presence, it's bigger than the moment. I believe worship is eternal. I believe it tells us in his word that there are bowls in heaven that collect the prayers and the worship of the saints. So our worship lives on for eternity. You actually step into a moment in the spirit where you begin to understand what God has done for you and God has has done for your future. And it's called the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul prayed it over the church in Ephesus and and Colossians, and, and he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened and enlightened. And he and he he said, When you and I start declaring that God who God is and for who he is in our lives that, and what he's done in our life, when you begin to do that and tell him, say, thank you, God, for forgiving me of all my sins and setting me on a path that I never expected and healing me. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, you begin to get a revelation and a glimpse of who God is, not only for who he is right now, but for your future. Where whatever your praise is, you start declaring it, and then in the middle of it, you start to realize something, and that is this. If he did it once, he can do it again. 
You and I usher in, him into our homes and into our lives with our praise. And I know homes have been changing over the last few weeks because you and I and many other Christians throughout the harbor, this nation and the world are being filled with his presence like never before. So here's the second thing that comes out of Palm Sunday and out of our praise. Write this down. Our praise purifies our temples. It tells us in Matthew 21, 12, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. So Jesus shows up and cleanses his health house. I know the tone changes a little bit. and We don't like to talk about sin. We don't like to talk about impurity. We like to think we're just okay the way we are. But when we make a place to welcome the presence of God in our lives, anything and everything that opposes his best begins to be displaced and his presence begins to replace it in our lives. God doesn't come into our lives to be kind of neutral. In fact, he doesn't want to be neutral with your sin or my sin or our uh, idolatry. So write this down because this is what's been happening in a lot of our lives and this is why it's personal. Here's what happens. True praise doesn't cohabitate with sin and bondage. Praise brings heaven in and pushes hell out. So when Jesus' presence comes in and and some tables get turned over and some wickedness and idolatry gets dealt with in our personal lives, what happens is hell gets pushed out. It is heaven, yes, and hell, okay, you know what I'm saying. No, all right? Hopefully that will get you something to remember from this sermon, all right? Heaven, yes. Hell no. Good thing about the last few weeks is there's less sin, less of me, less of you, and now there's more room for Jesus' presence in each of our lives. So praise brings his presence. Praise brings purifying. And here's the third thing that you can write down that praise does in this story on Palm Sunday, and you can write this down. Praise releases his power. It tells us in Matthew 21, 14, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them all. Did you see the progression? See, Jesus' presence is ushered in by our praise. Then he purifies our temple of all, from all the compromise. Then his power shows up like never before. He healed them all. That is an amazing verse. And I believe that word tells us miracles are for today. I believe that that miracles for were for the book of Acts, but I believe they're for today. And God wants to continue to pour out his spirit in a greater measure like never before. I believe his church is going to move beyond the four walls into our families, into our neighborhoods, and into our places of work when we go back to work. I believe all the gifts of the spirit are for today. I believe our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who opened the blind eyes of Bartimaeus in the Gospels and in in the book of Acts is still opening blind eyes today, both physically and spiritually. He still heals today. He still raises the dead today. And demons still flee at the name or at the mention of Jesus' name. Our God's power has not diminished. It's here today to save and deliver anyone from anything or any. Uh, thing they face in their lives. He's a miracle working God. So 
Why don't we see more of the power of God today? Well, maybe this time that we're experiencing is time the time that God says, I'm going to strip away all of your idols. Just a thought. Now, this probably doesn't apply to you, but maybe to the person you're sitting next to. But maybe God's stripping away your greed. Maybe you're uh, is stripping away uh, just uh, your desire for power and authority. Maybe he's stripping away the sports that you've worshipped in the past. Maybe he's stripping away your desire for parties. Maybe he's stripping away your desire for shopping. I mean, you can't even get into to Ross anymore, all right? Or And you can barely get into Walmart. So, and how about golf? Did I say golf? Yes, all the golf courses are closed. And he just wants to, he wants to move all this other stuff out of our lives and move into first place and become Lord of all in our lives. And as he does, his power will be increased and released in greater measures than ever before. So our praise brings his presence, brings his purity, brings his power. And here's the fourth thing that comes from Palm Sunday. And that's this, praise defeats our enemies. I made mention of this a few weeks ago when, when we started all of this stuff. And that's how God used something as simple as praise to defeat the enemies of Israel. King Jehoshaphat told soldiers, just leave the chariots and the horses in the barn, boys. I'm calling the choir to the forefront of this battle. I'm asking for my choir people. I'm asking for my instrumentalists and, and, and my vocalists to come to the front lines. And all the ones who had signed up for worship, to be on the worship team, they said, what? What did I sign up for? I can't believe I signed up for this. They lined up and started marching towards the enemy and started singing like never before. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And I could sing that for you, but I sound a lot better in the shower. Like I told you last week, the acoustics are amazing there. But let me just say this. And their simple songs became a weapon against their enemy. You and I need to understand that you and I all have a weapon and it's our praise that comes from our mouths and from our children's mouths and it silences our enemies look at this verse in psalm 8 from the, uh, verse 2 from the amplified it says from the mouths and souls of infants and toddlers the most innocent you have ordained praise and decreed power to stop your adversaries silencing all who oppose you Your children's praise is a weapon. It stops our enemy in its its tracks. And I'm talking about people, uh, I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about enemies like fear. Fear of the future, fear of my career, fear over my finances, fear of, of a relationship, fear of rejection, and fear of failure. And you can go on and on and on. And that voice of fear keeps going off in your mind. But I'm telling you, when you start praising God again, the King of Kings, for his greatness, and that all he's done in your life, I'm telling you, that enemy's voice gets silenced in your mind. Then there's the enemy of anxiety and stress. And you can name your enemy, whatever it is you're worried about today. I'm telling you, when you begin to lift your voice, begin to worship God like never before, those, vi- those voices become silenced because they cannot coexist in the presence of the king. Look at this verse, Psalms 149, 1 and 6. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And his praise in the assembly of the saints. 
let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. See this word praise here? It means to jump up and spin around like a little kid. In other words, this word praise means to go nuts and make some racket. So don't let the enemy steal your song. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. When you sing God's word, it's a two-edged sword in your hand. When you and I stop praising with our mouths, we make our enemy stronger and larger. But when we praise him, it weakens him and diminishes him. You and I need to make a declaration that we will not go down in silence. Let the song that God's put in your heart come out of your mouth and make it a weapon of warfare. Remember, our fight is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the atmosphere. Our praise is a weapon because it brings the presence of God where evil spirits cannot coexist. So you need to know your praise is a big deal. And as you do that, I'm telling you, God will increase in your life. God will increase in your house. God will increase in, in your, uh, around your neighborhood, around your friends, around your family, and eventually around your co-workers. So you need to remember, the first time on Palm Sunday, Jesus rides into the city as a servant king, as a sacrifice for all of us. But the second time he rides in, he will be riding in as a risen, conquering king to gather his bride for all eternity. I want to conclude by reading this portion of scripture from Revelation 19. Look at this, verses 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood. Uh, excellence himself. He ro- wore a war robe dipped in blood and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will trample the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the all-powerful. And there on his robe and on his thigh was written his name, the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is who he is. This is who we praise. I just want you to stand up in your home with me right now. And let's close this service today by worshiping him. I have a revelation, I hope, that you've never had before. But over the last few weeks, you begin to see him, not for just a a God that we go to church and mention his name, but he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and will give you a revelation of your future for your life. Will you worship him with me right now?